0: Hello, and welcome to The Nature Connection, science, wildlife, and environment radio, with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy.
1: everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection show. You know, we do this every fourth Friday with our good friend, nature photographer, Margo Carrera. So you can keep up with our shows at bigblendradio.com and keep up with Margo at Carrera uh, Fine Art Gallery. Now I'm going to get it all messed up, Margo. What's Carrera? the best website for ever? Carrera so, Fine Art Gallery?
0: Dot com, uh, yeah, dot com. Okay, Carrera oh, Fine Margo. Art. Yeah, careerfineartgallery.com. Gallery.com. she's you got all
1: me over. she's on Etsy. she's <laughs> on everywhere. So I, you know, I've got this list of of Margos, uh, but it's it's really awesome what she does, and she's very passionate about the environment, like Nancy and I, and wildlife. And today we're excited because we get to go to Texas, where the weather is warm, and uh, they're apparently not in spring; they're they're he- heading into summer. But we get to chat with Jesse Gilbert. He's a senior biologist and president and chief executive officer for the Texas State Aquarium Association. They have some really cool things going on. I'm very excited about this. You can go to TexasStateAquarium.org, but March 2nd is going to be a big day when they open a new wildlife rescue center. So check that out at their website again, TexasStateAquarium.org. I got that website right. So welcome, Jesse.
2: Thank you, Lisa Margo. Mar- Mar- appreciate it.
1: Hey, yes. this is exciting. So it's kind of been interesting watching what's happening in regards to zoos and aquariums. It seems that the rescue thing is becoming a bigger part of the program.
2: It is, yeah. So the, the Aquariums Rescue Program has been around since 1995. We, we live in a, uh, Corpus Christi a very uh, dynamic ecosystem around marine life. There's a lot of... Uh, endangered species that live in this area. And um, it, it just kind of is this, this meshing pot of, of a lot of different species and taxa. And so uh, our program has been has been going crazy since 1995, but has really exploded in the last five years, uh, since about 2017. And uh, so the culmination of that will be the opening of the new Port of Corpus Christi Wildlife Rescue Center uh, next week, March 2nd. And uh, we're excited about, about doing that. Um, it, it's it's important to our mission. It's important to making sure that endangered species are, are still uh, in Texas and that we're keeping Texas wild. So uh, we're really excited.
1: Yeah, I wanted to talk about the um, species out there because it's something that, you know, Nancy and I, as we travel the country on our Love Your Park store, we keep wanting to get down to Corpus Christi and to Padre Island and to, I mean, because I've heard that the biodiversity—not just you know, obviously you've got turtles, loggerheads, and um, you know the the—but you've got ocelot in the neighboring areas, which is something I want to see. Um, but there's also uh, just the bird life to me. Yeah. How in- interconnected are they all? That's something we like to talk about in the show, so people understand one species benefits the other.
2: They do. Absolutely. So like you mentioned, there's American ocelots that this is part of their native range and the aquarium's involved in a, a program right now to, to reintroduce American ocelots into South Texas. And so, you know, that's kind of the headwaters, if you will. Um, a lot of the watershed that kind of flows into the Corpus Christi area is, is ocelot habitat. Uh, and then you get into a lot of marine turtles. Like you said, we have five species of turtles and Kim's Ridley, the most endangered species of sea turtle in the world, nest. Right here on Padre Island in northern Mexico—that's the only place in the world. So this is this is the true home of the Kemp's ridleys. You've got the birdiest city in North America. So we are the stopover for the Atlantic oh. Flyway. So when birds are moving back and forth during fall and spring, this is their holdover spot. So about this time of year, kind of headed into April, um, you'll see raptors, um, shorebirds. That it, it's amazing to be here in the spring when the when the animals move back and forth, mm. and our newest. Um, uh, say is becoming a Texas resident is the Florida manatee. Uh, with all of the challenges that the habitat has seen in Florida, we're starting to see manatees in Corpus Christi with a lot more frequency. We had six in 2022 alone. My 20 years here, uh, I could count maybe five in 20 years. So, so to have six at one time was pretty unprecedented. So it's a lot of it's a lot of animals, a very diverse group of animals, raptors, shorebirds, songbirds. You've got gray mammals whales, you've got dolphins, you've got manatees, you've got five species of sea turtle, you've got the American ocelots, you've got Texas tortoises, which have had some challenges in in some of the land. And it is, it's all connected. You know, these birds, when they stop over, they're stopping in ocelot habitat or they're stopping on Padre Island where where that sea turtle nesting habitat. And then you've got manatees that are now offshore, they're in the intercoastal waterways. So it is completely interconnected. And so uh, the rescue center, Works with all those species.
1: What about gators, alligators? Do you get them too? Or are they too far on the other side by Trinity and all of that area? No, they're
2: they're absolutely right here. So maybe about oh, cool. That's miles, it. I'm
1: coming. Yeah, I'm coming over.
2: Fifty miles north of the aquarium is uh, the Aransas Pass Wildlife Refuge, oh, that's and right. uh, that's where that's where alligators are, and that's also some of the wintering grounds for whooping cranes. So. Well, whooping cranes are here right now. Uh, this is one of their winter grounds, so they feed in those marshlands. So it is a massively diverse habitat, all within, let's call it a 50-mile radius of the Texas State Aquarium.
1: Hmm.
0: Margot, are you ready for a road trip? <laughs> I, I really am.
1: I mean, there'd be lots for me to photograph. <laughs> there is. That's, that's exactly it. And, you know, that's the thing that's, um, the, I know, We we started our tour doing national park units, and now I think we're actually doing more. Wildlife refuges lately, yeah, we're doing a ton, and your area has been on our list. And just looking at that biodiversity, like you're saying, to me is always fascinating. But we really need to. When you have a place so biodiverse, it's a it's a challenge, like you're saying, because there's obviously there's what we do as humans, but there's also climate change. And looking at like hurricanes, because your area gets hurricanes too. So how does how do the hurricanes impact? What happens in the actual aquariums, but then also in regards to the wildlife that are out there?
2: Sure. So um, I, I'll throw hurricanes and I'll throw freezes into the same discussion. Oh,
1: yes, I know. I've done your Texas freeze. Thank you. Yeah, but no. it's, it's on you know, <laughs> either end of the
2: spectrum. The response is the same. So our, our number one priority are the animals that call the aquarium home. and So we've got a very robust hurricane and freeze program at the aquarium. Uh, If there's a hurricane headed this way, we've got about a 35 to 40 member rideout team. This building and all the assets of the aquarium are built to a Category 5 strength. And so uh, we've unfortunately had to test that twice in the last five years, Hurricane Harvey in 2017 and uh, Hurricane um, Hannah in 2020. And so the buildings are built for that. Um, What we've had really, I would say, struggles with are freezes, Um, you know, Texas and South Texas, you know, sub 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 freezing temperatures are just not something that the the state, the city and the wildlife are built for down here. So number one priority is making sure the animals at the aquarium are safe and that they're protected during the event, if you will. What gets unique about the Texas State Aquarium is while we're preparing for the, the animals that call the aquarium home to keep them safe and to keep the aquarium safe. You're also in the pre-planning stages for what do you do for wildlife post-event. So after the hurricane moves on shore, after the freeze has, has hit and it's been in the area for about 24 to 48 hours, you start to see the impacts of wildlife. And again, it's endangered species. So it really does matter. I mean, all wildlife matters. But when we start talking about endangered species, you've got a statistically, you know, uh, important population that you got to work with. So we kind of go into two modes. Uh, The first mode is how do we make sure that the the aquarium, the animals here are safe, the people are safe, our staff are safe. And then how do we start to prepare ourselves for what the wildlife is going to need? Let's call it post event, if you will. So we we do a lot of emergency and disaster preparedness at the aquarium, working with our colleagues at the Texas Parks and Wildlife uh, Department, uh, the Texas General Land Office to make sure that the wildlife in South Texas is taken care of. So uh, Um, I would say in hurricanes, what we see the most impact is actually, uh, birds, birds and particularly birds that are typically offshore. So something like a, a cormorant or, or some, some more offshore animal just gets blown on shore and they're just kind of wind stunned. If you will, they, you know, they're waterlogged from the rain and the wind. And so you typically bring those animals in, you get them warm back up, you get them kind of some, some nourishment, you can get them back out. Um, I would say that's the biggest thing with, with hurricanes. When it comes to freezes, it's everything, Um, particularly sea turtles. So sea turtles get cold stunned, they become hyperthermic and they just can't function beyond 55 degrees Fahrenheit. And in winter storm Uri of 2021, when Texas just couldn't, you know, the big freeze in Texas, we saw 1600 sea turtles in the span of about seven days. And so, um, you know, you've got to you've got to kind of. Deal with with the turtles you've got manatees now which do not handle cold weather very well they're mammals and so warm-blooded they just they can't do cold so it's uh i would say getting ready for the storm riding the storms out are are actually kind of the easy thing it's that it's that wildlife recovery piece that um gets very very dynamic after the uh after the true weather event yeah
1: that's uh, we've been through hurricanes and and freezes yeah. <clears throat> and it's always the, and even like wildfires, we've been through this, it's always yes. the aftermath because then you have flooding and sometimes there's rain on top of that. Like it just goes, okay, we're going to swing shift. You just had this, but I'm going to do the complete opposite. So what what happens in regards to this wildlife refuge center that the rescue center that's opening March 2nd,
0: mm-hmm.
1: are you doing anything in, in that way to help it? Is the center built extra strong? Does it have... You know, extra. You know, way. And is it by the actual water itself? Like, so it is. Yeah. So it's
2: all. Of those it is. It's all. Okay. Of those it's built to category five strength. Um, so we can we can have the wildlife that that are I'll call normal patients in in the center uh, during during a hurricane, a, a big hurricane. We also during freezes. It's built for that. All of our assets at the aquarium have emergency power, so we have unlimited fuel supplies for that. So we can we can handle. Long stretches. Water is kind of our thing as an aquarium, so we can make potable water. Uh, we we can use seawater, and we can move that very effectively, which is what makes the rescue program uh, the leading rescue program in the state, one of the largest in the country. So um, the new rescue center has all of that, but it also now has a, a, a wildlife response operations center where we can coordinate the response to a disaster for wildlife for for coastal Texas. So. Agencies can be there, Texas Parks and Wildlife, the, the state agencies, you can have the federal U.S. Fish and Wildlife, NOAA, um, can all be there and kind of join in on this response to make sure it's a coordinated effort to get those animals there. Our capacity, um, uh, when we open next, next week, will be somewhere between 3,000 to 4,000 sea turtles at one time. So it's, wow. a, it's a pretty massive capacity, a lot of water. We, 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 can, uh, we can hold a lot of animals um, if needed.
1: And so when you bring, I mean, what is the number, aside from hurricanes and, and those kind of disasters, which are becoming so rampant, you know, so that's a, it's a big part of life now. Um, what are, what's the top thing that you're seeing that animals are being rescued over? What's the top issue?
2: I would say if it's, if it's not a weather event, and I would say, I would say freezes are, are the big one now. We're having okay. a freeze. We're having a freeze every year. So I would say that it's more the, the, the sea turtle population, and, and what we're really concerned about is this up-and-coming manatee population. You know, sea turtles, it, it's one thing to handle, you know, 1,000, 2,000 sea turtles. If you had a handful of manatees, that, that could overcome a system very quickly. And so we're really concerned about that. I would say freezes now are an annual issue. Outside of that, these big events, I would say the number one thing we see is entanglement and fishing. Uh-huh. And, you know, recreational fishing is a big part of Texas, and, and, it's, and it's an important piece of Texas, both from a tourism standpoint, economy, it's just part of the legacy and that connection to nature. And so one of the things that we work really hard on is working with recreational anglers about how to dispose of their fishing line appropriately. I can't tell you how many turtles come in, particularly even during cold sun sea turtle uh, events, where there's a hook in a turtle's mm-hmm. shoulder or it's ingested fishing line. And so... It's a real, real issue. And so we work very hard in the local area in coastal Texas to try to get that message out.
1: And that's going to be harder also with people on that because you've got tourism too, right? So people coming in and wanting to fish, maybe getting a permit. I have no idea about fishing. I don't eat fish, but I don't know anything about it. But what I do see in all the parks that we go to that have fishing, it drives me nuts. Even small community parks. You'll see that the line and the little bubble things up in the trees. You'll see them in the water. And I I just feel like, okay, yeah, we can't say no fishing because that's not going to happen because it's a food source and it's recreational, but it is really this education. and, And it's like the other day I just saw somebody just throw trash down and I went, what are you doing, man? And then, you know, now you're scared to even say anything. Right. So it's kind of, we're in a weird place of having to really do education and so what what can we say to to folks that may not realize the impact or have that concern?
2: Sure, so I think that's one of the great things about the new wildlife rescue center that's going to open up is all of the work the aquarium's done on the wildlife rescue site has been behind the scenes at a campus about two miles away. Next week, guests will be able to see all of that live and in person, so guests can oh watch.
1: wow, yeah, they can
2: watch the surgeries, they can watch the hook removals they can. They can see all this happening in real time. They can see the animals in the rehabilitation setting. Uh, about a year and a half ago, we did a pretty dynamic exhibit where we took all of the fishing line and the hooks and bobbers and all the things that you described. We took all of that, that we've taken off turtles and birds and we displayed it. And it was a pretty impactful display when you see it like that. And you, and you know, we had a case, you know, we had the, the medical case of the animal that was there and it was a success story, but Here's all the different things that happen. And so as one of the top aquariums in the country, uh, we have a platform where we have all those guests come in, they're coming to Coastal Texas for a vacation. And we can talk about how important fishing is. It is it's a, it's a recreational activity and we want people to have that connection to nature, but we want to do it responsibly. So how can we, you know, using the rescue center, here's what happens when it's when it's when it's not done responsibly help us, uh, help us make a difference for wildlife. And I think it's a pretty impactful message and it seems to be uh, garnering some strength because you got some really good ambassadors that are telling that story for you.
1: That's fantastic. The arts are always playing a good role, right? And doing things, you know, a lot of artists do that. Don't they, Margo? (laughs) Yes, yes, I I have a
0: a question along that line. Um, Here in San Diego, we have trouble with plastics. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know bags and and things that come off the beach when people come and have picnics and what have you yep. and the animals are eating them thinking it might be food and then they they ingest you know a lot do you have that problem there as well
2: we don't we don't see a, a lot of impaction with with the wildlife fortunately what's really unique about Corpus Christi on top of all the species that call this area home is the Gulf current converges right off the shores of Padre Island National Seashore, so about 40 miles south of the aquarium. And so what that means is those currents pick up all the trash in the Gulf of Mexico. And when they converge on the beach, they push it onto the beach. So we see trash from all over the Gulf uh, that end up here in Corpus Christi. It's not necessarily generated here. So we do see ingestion, but I wouldn't say it's nearly what we, what we would think we would see. It, it really, truly is, is entanglement, but we're certainly conscious of the plastic side of things. You know, one of the things we've done here at the aquarium is we've eliminated single-use plastics, and so we, we kind of talk about that. Certainly, reduce reuse recycle is a big message at the aquarium. Um, but we also talk about, you know, uh, when you walk through the rescue center and you see the intensive care unit where these baby turtles are taken care of, where you see an otter going, an orphaned otter going through the system, there's plastics there too. So we have to, you know, we have to use this responsibly and, and really balance how, how we take care of things, how we dispose of things appropriately. So that's a big part of the message here.
1: Good. Yeah. I'm I'm very, you know, interested about this with the manatees because you know, we've done so many shows on this, how wildlife is, they're, da- it's adap- they're adapting, birds and wildlife adapting. are adapting yep. to what's going on with climate change and what's happening with, you know, over- population in wild habitat areas. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's interesting to see that with the manatees, how they're moving on, because we've, we've gone out to see manatees in Florida and our friends do it too. We've been all following this. One of the big things we saw from manatees is that they don't, they're literally starving where they are because of the habitat uh, issues and toxins and then when we talk about boating and fishing i mean it it seems like all the parks are working really hard to say hey watch how you come into the waters um that uh, there's a lot of accidents happening with boats and manatees so do
2: you Mm -hmm. see that so we we don't see the accidents because texans just aren't used to it so that is part of the narrative now we're starting to see more manatees and so what's what's um I hate to say a good thing in the situation that's really challenging from a habitat standpoint is that because they're so novel, when they're in the area, a lot of people they you know people post it on their social media. And so people are aware where the animals are. They don't go harass them, but it's it's so unique, you know, you just don't see that a lot here, that people are really interested in it. So luckily we haven't had what we would call trauma cases where they've been hit by boats or 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 you know something like that. But as they start to move into the area, uh, if they continue to move in larger numbers, I think that's going to be part of the messaging that's there. So the Texas State Aquarium um, um, is one of the only licensed facility outside of the state of Florida to help with manatee rehabilitation and care. And so we're, um, as that story kind of continues to grow, that's going to be an important piece of it is you've got to watch for manatees now in Texas. And, you know, five years ago, we would have never thought that that was a message we would need to put out there.
1: We, we we went to the Everglades and that's kind of where our tour kicked off because we actually saw a kid drop a can of soda into mm. a, a marsh area and there's all these gators there and the parents didn't say anything yeah. and and I had to take Nancy and say shh it's not our place <laughs> but it is well that you know that's why I think the junior ranger programs and parks I know they have that at the Padre Island the yeah. National Seashore and, and so many other parks do it too and um, is so crucial because once kids get it, then they teach their parents a lot of times, you know? Right. Yep. And so, yeah, those programs are great. But we looked at this, we're like, you know, I don't think people realize like, who's going to go in there and get that can amongst the gators, you know, right. What what's going to happen. And we realized the education part was so big and, um, but it does, it does make you a little on the angry side when you see that kind of thing happen, but you have to kind of calm down and go, it is education, 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 you know, but when we were there, um, we were working with the National Parks Conservation Association and actually uh, Rob, this uh, he was working there. Now he's in Texas. He was telling us about how easy it is for people to buy a boat and just get out on the water without really serious training. And so that's what he's doing in Texas is teaching people how to boat with conservation in mind, because he was saying it's not just the manatees where we were. We went out, I think it was Flamingo Bay, if I get it straight. But. Um, He taught us about polling and trolling, which I don't know anything about, but apparently we went polling and trolling. It's about not revving your motor too fast and zooming out is take it easy on your way in and out. And that was because of these little rookery islands where there were wood storks and and different birds nesting at certain times. And it turned out it was the boaters. And, you know, it takes years to do these studies to figure it out. And that's something I always want to say is like, Sometimes I think we as human beings out recreating, we need to kind of use some basic common sense. A loud boat, a loud motorcycle will affect a little baby bird or those that are trying to nest. And they have it programmed in their brain to land there. That's what their Mm -hmm. generations have done. I'm going home. i got to land and i got to have my babies, you know. But all these boats zooming in and out took effect. And so that was part of the stork. I think it was the stork problem over there. And then yeah. they they fix things and through his programs, people learned like, hey, chill out, and you can go zoom out over here, but not here. You
2: know? Right. So- yep. We've had the same issue here. So uh pole and troll, we have seagrass beds that are that are yeah. critical habitat to sea turtles and to the recreational fishing community. That's the nursery where red drum and black drum flounder, that's where they they, they uh they they raise their young. And so um, Texas Parks and Wildlife, along with the aquarium and other uh, environmental groups along the coast really had put that into place probably about maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And you're starting to see that. You're starting to see people kind of understand that, um, you know, it, it's seagrass, right? It doesn't seem important, but but it does really tie back to the fishing and, and to the turtles and everything else. And so, yeah, we've had the same issue here. It's, uh, I think the optimism I have in Texas is that Texans really are connected to nature. When you talk to somebody in Texas, you, when you talk about their, their their favorite experiences, it somehow connects back to nature. It might be fishing. It might be hunting, hiking, camping, kayaking, surfing, you know, being on the beach in Port Aransas. But Texans get it. And so what we've kind of learned is if we can kind of capture that Texas pride and talk about Texas wildlife to make sure it stays wild, then we can sometimes connect that. We might not hit everybody, but we're certainly going to try
1: love that I think, and also for the visitors, you know yeah. coming right. in with the with the rescue center, when you're talking about how people can go there and see, you know um what's happening and and the hook coming out of of a turtle, is that something that can be televised as well that people can watch on a website down the road or something?
2: It is. So we're working on that now. So cool. what's kind of unique about this building is there's really not anything else like this, at least in the United States. And so, you know, there's there's plenty of rescue programs. There's great aquariums, there's great zoos out there. But we can't really find a model where you've had a, a, an aquarium, you know, one of the larger aquariums in the country or zoos, take a rescue program and, and kind of put that front of house, if you will, to put, you know, to make that part of part of the experience for guests. The other thing is that the Rescue Center is, in, is, is separate from your ticket. You don't have to pay to get into the Rescue Center. We think the message in that building is so important that we want visitors to the Corpus Christi area to visit the Rescue Center free of charge. There's an area where you can donate if you're inspired to do so for the program, but um, one of the things that we're trying to figure out is how is the building going to work? You're taking one of the busiest coastal programs in the country and now you're, you're kind of putting it, you know, out there and, and people can come and see it. So what will that look like? And then we we have started talking about how we'll televise that. The building is completely connected for STEM education, for our STEM workforce development program here. So working, we'll have the only CT scanner in the, in the Texas dedicated to wildlife. And so you could come into the building one day and see a dolphin or a manatee going through a CT scanner. And then that will connect to other veterinary schools where we can help develop the next group of wildlife veterinarian and veterinary nurses coming to the program, new marine biologists that are coming in. And so uh, the building is, is wired to do that. I think we're just trying to figure out, let's get it open, let's see how it functions. And then uh, from there, I think it's, it's really the sky's the limit on what we can do. with it.
1: So a lot of education happening.
2: A lot of education a lot of education you know we're an informal education center that's what the aquarium is by its nature you know you come and you have a great time with your family and you learn about wildlife the rescue center is that but it's a little bit more intense you know we're really trying to make sure that there's a good workforce developed to take care of wildlife in texas and so um, how can we sparks you know that young kid that's coming through that sees that peril going through a surgery and decides they might want to be a veterinarian or maybe an engineer or something like that So it is education, but I would say a little bit more deliberate and much, much more focused on wildlife and how we, how we help wildlife in in the field.
1: I love it. It's, it's kind of seeing like what Monterey uh, Bay Aquarium has really been a champion. When you think of aquariums, we've always thought about them, even them connecting it back to what are you eating and what are you doing? And I think that's what, you know, it's really amazing what you're doing. And I think you know, we look at zoos, and everybody has a different opinion of the zoo um, thing. Um, but I think, you know, going more towards a rescue really showcases the issues. You know, cool. and we need we need them to be rescued and helped, and then it put does. back out to sea, right?
2: Exactly, and that's the whole point of the rescue center is is to bring them in, get them rehabilitated as fast as possible, because we don't want them to habituate to humans. You know, we want and we want to get them back out into the wild, and I think. That's the role the modern aquarium and zoo plays now is, you know, we have these animals that call the aquarium home and and we've got great biologists and trainers and nutritionists and veterinarians that work here. And can they take that expertise and now apply it to saving wildlife in the wild? And we know we can we can make that connection. One of the things that we recently did was Florida coral reefs are having a real challenge and it's decimated the Florida reef track, Florida Keys, National Marine Sanctuary. And so we were working with Texas A&M and developed a system where we could go down, you know, a paint swash that you might pick up at your home improvement store to paint sure. your house. We can take that underwater and we can hold that up to a coral and determining on the color of the algae cells in the coral, we can determine the state of that coral's health. So in, the, in the old days old days a couple of years ago we would take that coral out we might have to sacrifice a piece of the coral to really determine its health well now because we we know how to take care for corals in the aquarium we can we can make technologies to where we can really start to advance wildlife conservation in the field particularly around endangered species and so um you know i i think aquariums play an important role as the fabric of the community to come visit and have a great time that connection to nature but uh, this rescue program takes it to the next level. How can we start to use technologies to to save endangered species and keep Texas wild? Oh, this is cool. Now, are you set up for whales? We are set up for dolphins, so we don't see. I'm going to knock on wood, uh, Lisa. That <laughs> we, we, whales would be challenging, uh, but we are set up for dolphins. So we're the only facility permitted in the state of Texas for dolphins, manatees, birds, sea turtles. Um, so uh-huh. we could we could do that. Um, we actually devised a system where we could do large animal triage. That's what allows us to do the three to four thousand sea turtles. So we could do uh, we could do a big uh, marine mammal if we had to. Uh, but uh, luckily, we don't see a lot of animals move through. Big whales move through this area.
1: That's it. I I just I love that you're you're out there. You know, just putting that that rescue part in because I think yeah. that's something. But there used to be the big thing of just let it be, you know, well, that was years ago. That yeah. nature handle itself, but with our encroachment on the on the land, and this is about coexistence, I believe, you know, as
2: well. There's a balance. And and I think, you know, our kind of take on that, because this happens a lot, you know, you might see predation, you know, where where a turtle and a shark might meet and you know, the the turtles prey to that shark. So we don't get a ball in a lot of those nature-based um conflicts where where you know it's it's what would happen in nature but certainly when it's human cause that that's where we step in and, and if you know we've been part of the the problem the aquarium and the rescue program will be part of the solution
1: But you mentioned sharks that's something i really want to touch on because
2: yeah.
1: of the stigma of sharks uh, that i think that i mean i grew up in south africa and kenya and south africa we had the great whites And I used to go swim where they were, but I don't know. It just was kind of like, what if I do see one? I don't know why I'm just nuts. But they are um, very crucial species. Uh, Do you cover that in the aquarium about their role as an? Aren't they like an apex species of of the ocean?
2: I would say apex, and you know, we kind of you know they're an apex species in the in the food system. And, and really a, a keystone you know if you take that keystone out of a structure the structure collapses. and sharks are absolutely that um, what's really fascinating about this area is we've talked about all the other uh, I would say air breathers that 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 call Corpus Christi and the coastal bin home there are a lot of sharks here and um, you know I think it's one where humans and sharks can coexist we don't have challenges here um, people you know can go out you know I Tell people, you know, dawn and dusk is when they kind of come inshore to feed, and so we would we wouldn't necessarily recommend you go out there during that time. But people come, and and you can see black tips bull sharks, tiger sharks, brown sharks, mako sharks. The list goes on and on. In fact, right outside the aquarium's doors is a pretty crucial nursery habitat for uh scallop hammerhead sharks, bonnethead sharks, and we've piloted some blacktip sharks. We do some surveys with Texas A and M to kind of make sure that that nursery is healthy, and so. They are critical critical to making sure the fishery here is healthy you know the sharks play a incredible role in that. I do think Texans get that they are you know people fish for them and but in Texas you see a lot of they fish they tag them and they let them go and they, and they work with the Heart Research Institute at Texas A and Corpus Christi to track those animals and so we can kind of get some migration information from them and where they're moving where they're hunting maybe where they're where they're nursing and pupping. So, uh, uh, sharks are a really critical role, play a critical role
1: here in South Texas. Cool. Now, I, mm. I, I want to go. I want to go. <laughs> we're tell- we're going to come see you for sure. We're going to come Please see yes. you. Yes. And right. definitely come out. I think it's exciting. And you're saying the education part, but what about um, for those college students that may be looking for internships, volunteering? <laughs> I know I read Margo's mind. <laughs> she did. I have a granddaughter, right? She's uh,
0: in the start of college, but she wants awesome. to do study marine biology. Yep. and and if she got exposed to a place like yours, if she could go and see and say, see herself there working or or sure. see, you know, a program that you have that she would want to eventually be in, it would help these kids that are right on the border of taking marine biology or something else um, to see their future and see where they're needed most and where they can make the most impact. Do you have a program for these these young ones just going to college to to bring them to you?
2: We do so we have we have kind of a a, a a program that kind of builds as as a student goes through their their let's call it high school maybe even community college entrance into college and then through the bachelor's program so we have programs where they can get involved there are internships in the different areas and then the other thing that we do is we actually are uh, we teach a number of us are faculty with Texas A and M University and so we actually teach some courses here at the aquarium around. Uh, conservation and and aquarium operations and so what's really been interesting about that is they're typically juniors and seniors in either marine biology, biology, environmental science, but some some science uh, uh, four-year degree program and uh, it's typically about a class of 20 to 25 and without fail I I always walk in on the first day and we ask them you know what do you want to do and the narrative now has switched completely to helping animals in the wild and rescue Mm -hmm. which which is fantastic And we've actually had a couple of students every class that, you know, they're not sure about aquariums and zoos. They don't know how that fits. Like you said, you know, there's some people have have strong opinions either way. And so one of the things that we try to do in that course is expose them to the science of animal care and and veterinary care and water and some of the different things. And um, I'm happy to say we've had, we've had a pretty much hundred percent success rate in, in really getting those students to understand the importance of that. And then that is actually where we hire a lot of our our, our uh, junior biologists from. So kind of entry-level marine biologists into our fishes program or our dolphin program here at the Aquarium, um, I think we've hired two or three students to every one of those classes. So it's kind of a, a working interview. They get to work with the animal care managers and some of the senior staff that are there. So we do. We have the internships. We have this, this program at Texas A&M University. We're about to launch one with the community college around the trades. You know, when we go to save 3,000 sea turtles, it's not just veterinarians and marine biologists. It's pipe fitters. It's, it's electricians. It's all of those trade welders that I'm telling you right now, I couldn't do it without them. I, we could not save these animals without those trades. And so um, they might not, you know, pick up. They might not become a welder at the aquarium, but they become connected to what that means uh, from a wildlife conservation standpoint. So our workforce development program is is strong, and I, I'm excited to say is only going to grow with this new rescue center. Well, a
0: pointer in your direction. Yeah, Thank right.
2: you. Yeah. Do. Do.
1: I love that. What about um, people that? Uh, work
2: with uh, the cleanliness of water. Ah, yeah. So, um, that, so that's actually, I would say my discipline is, is water. And so we take water oh. very seriously at the aquarium. Um, we, all of the water in the aquarium, so everything that you see, the sharks, the corals, the dolphins, the, the jellyfish in, that's water from Corpus Christi Bay. We actually use natural seawater from, from the bay. And so we watch Corpus Christi Bay very, very, very closely. One of the things that makes the rescue program one of the largest in the country is because we have the ability to move a lot of water. So when you get 1600 sea turtles at one time, that's, that's 1600, 1600 sea turtles produce a lot of waste very, 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 very quickly. And so the rescue program and, and the, the water quality team here at the aquarium can move a, a lot of water very quickly and can clean it up. And so we watch it very closely. I would say, um, one of the things that I tell people is when you come to the aquarium, if you go look at some of the coral reef exhibits, some of the more delicate animals I would say at the aquarium, they're living in Corpus Christi Bay water. And before we bring that water in, we do a couple of treatments to it, but nothing really crazy. We just kind of take some of the turbidity out of it, some of the cloudiness. The water here is healthy. And, and the bay is healthy. And so you can really have a balance of a, of a, of a good community, a good economic development, a good uh, university at the other end of the bay. There's a naval base here on the other end of the bay. You've got one of the top aquariums here. You really can have this mixed use and have a balance. And I think it really can be a model for how we do it. So yeah, we work with water uh, clarity and, and water filtration and, and chemists very, very closely. That's one of the, the programs here that I think uh, we're very, very proud of it's. It's probably. I mean, it's it's the foundation of what this organization does.
1: Oh wow, that's amazing! Because bays, yeah, bays can get weird,
2: man. They can, and, and particularly here, we 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 don't have a lot of exchange with the Gulf of Mexico and Corpus Christi Bay. There's a little bit, but not a lot. And this is oh, wow. one of the busiest ports in the country by tonnage. Um, we're the biggest exporter of crude oil in the United States, and so. Well, that's
1: what I was going to bring up. What about an oil spill? Because we see them, you know, I can. Louisiana and, and, you know, those areas, uh, we've covered those. And talk about so, rescue missions that came from that.
2: Yeah, so we, um, I think we're very fortunate. I, I I think one of the real blessings of my job and, and being part of the Texas State Aquarium is that we live in a community that understands that importance. So you've got a lot of, you, you know, the largest exporter of crude oil in the United States, right here in Corpus Christi, literally right outside my window is the ship, wow. the ship channel for the Port of Corpus Christi. The industry understands that. And so they train along with us. They, they, we work with them. Um, we've got an oil response team here at the aquarium that's certified to go out and, and help with that. Luckily, we don't have to use it, but we, we train with it. Um, and so um, it is something that we're conscious of, but the community's conscious of it. You've got all these endangered species. You've got, you know, the Kemp's Ridley nesting grounds, 20 miles south of here. You know, if there was a spill, that could be a real catastrophic thing for that species of animal. So, I think that the area, the industry here, the, the leadership in this area really understand that and um, work together to make sure that, that that is the priority when things do happen.
1: Hmm. That, you know, it's interesting because we always go, you know, when it comes to conservation and the environment, it's like, no oil, no oil. Well, you can't just go immediately, no. You, I mean, because there's also medical things made with oil and yeah, That's we right. want to see more solar. Um, right. Is that something that the uh, you know aquarium works with the solar anything
2: more on that so, level? Yeah, so the, I would say that the the area is is conscious of that. I think one of the things that we really focus on, and I think the key to the aquarium now is resilience. How do we make a resilient South Texas? And resilient isn't just wildlife populations; it's the community as well. So we have to make sure that there's this balance that. The community has a strong economic foundation. It's got a strong wildlife. It's got a strong bay, a strong water supply. So, how do we do? That? How do we do that together? And we work very hard at that. I think also to your point about, you know, renewable and, and green energy, I, we certainly are, that's something there's a lot of wind energy here in, in Corpus Christi. Solar is is starting to move down south. I think there's some, there's been some, you know, challenges around solar and what it does to some of the Texas uh, brush country and some of the habitat that some of those animals call home. And so I think it's a mix of a portfolio. How do you take different energy that that exists that that can be done down here along with fossil fuels. how do you how do you make sure that that's all done very, very responsibly? i I just I don't subscribe to we just say no oil and don't work with with energy um, companies at all. We work with them, and we hope that they're making uh, you know educated decisions on what's there. they they are engaged. Um, they come through, they're very proud of this aquarium. they're very proud that the water of Corpus Christi Bay that serves all of this is what is sustaining this aquarium. And so uh, I have uh, at the aquarium, we have one of the best bioassays out there, right? If the water wasn't healthy, the coral living in it couldn't be. And so we have to maintain that. And, and that's one of the things that we strive for here every single day.
1: I think you're you're right on this. I mean, we did a, a show with the National Parks Conservation Association. This about, I'm mean, going to say about 10 years ago or so. and And whenever there's situations, you know, you can get a bill passed or something stopped and then it can creep back up again. Like we lost the Clean Water Act at one point, you know, so it comes back. So it's about us individually being aware of things and diversity is kind of key. Like if you have just one crop grown in one area that's not healthy for the soil and it's not healthy for us. When we we did this bill, um, uh, it was NPCA outside of Joshua Tree, they Mm -hmm. wanted to put this giant solar farm but if you looked at what would happen by putting this giant solar farm, it impacted numerous endemic species. And yep. not far from there is a place called Ash Meadows Wildlife Refuge, which has over 20 or 30 endemic species. It's like one of the most biodiverse areas. So people were forgetting like pupfish and all these yep. teeny things. They go, oh, it's a desert. Who cares? Right,
2: right. And, right. Then,
1: and then we won and now they're doing it again. But anyway.
2: Well, you that, say that's that american ocelots right they use texas scrub rush here in south texas and, and further down uh, the coast here and so if you put solar there and it, it's not that they're say there's not to say that there's not a use for solar and it can't be part of the portfolio but you do have to you have everything comes at a cost everything and so how do you balance that and make a decision and a portfolio that takes that into account and at the end of the day the humans have to be they have you know we have to live here we have we have to exist here so how do we create that balance. And, uh, I'm really proud to say, I think in Corpus, we, we've got, uh, we've got, you know, balance and we've got to maintain that.
1: Ah. What
0: do you think about that, Margo? I'm I'm actually curious because, uh, what is it about solar that is endangering any of the animals or, or the balance?
2: So when you, you put up a, when you put up a panel, uh, let's say a solar farm, if you will, an array, there's all the things that are under those panels that that need sunlight to photosynthesize and and to to, to create habitat. and and it might not might be a desert pupfish. it you know might be something small. but there there are impacts. You know wind has impacts, right? The, I mean, mm-hmm. wind, wind farms have impacts. We know that. the birds get caught sometimes in those, and so those those have a, have a uh, impact on wildlife. So the solar farms, although they they work and then they provide valuable energy, um, you just can't blink at everything in solar because you'll lose habitat for some of those smaller organisms, maybe a little bit down the, the taxonomic ladder, but we have to be, it's an ecosystem. We, we, it, you know, that puff fish taken out of the ecosystem, that's. Or
1: burrowing we, owls get it. They're the ones who really right. get nailed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, so there is. So I, I kind of go back to, we we have to figure out how we continue to build a resilient community around diversified level of energy. Um, you know, we saw that in the winter storm 2021 winter storm Uri in February when Texas had no power, you know, that that was an issue. People died. And, and at the end of the day, that's that's human life is, is, is very, very, very important. It's the number one thing what we think about here at the aquarium as well. So how do we how do we create a system and, and develop a system using new technologies, safe technologies? You know, I, I I talk to engineers at some of these energy companies all the time. and It, it blows me away how much they, they are looking into the future and, and how they take technology and, and make a, a cleaner product and transport safer. And, and, you know, it really is top of mind.
1: And solar, I mean, I think a lot of us as individual homeowners can do that's solar. True. I think that's one of the first things, you know, it's it's. Huge grids of any kind, that, that's when things go wrong. You know, right. that's what I was saying. I love that you were talking about it like a, a diverse portfolio because that's not as much strain, whether it's agriculture, no matter what it is, that's yeah. what we want in, in nature is biodiversity. That's what we want socially is, you know, social diversity, cultural diversity, and that mm. makes better food. I'm just saying, I'm going right yeah. back to food. So, but it
2: goes but you but food goes back to humans you know and that's one of the things that we've really challenged at the aquarium over the last 12 to 18 months is this project has really come to fruition is resiliency and how how do we make it good for humans to live here because I think as humans are 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 doing well that will that will trickle out but if humans are stressed that's when you see things not you know necessarily work out well but how do we make it? good for for all of us all of us and and humans uh, the animals the water all of us.
1: you're not going to save animals without saving the humans first that is,
2: you are 100 percent correct I, it's, we it's you know we true. saw that in the pandemic i tell people all the time you know you you couldn't buy toilet paper right we saw what what humans were going through and the human condition and suffering and and you know it was hard to say hey let's fundraise for a rescue center for animals when there were so many humans in in texas suffering right so how do we how do we lift the human condition and i i really believe that will also help lift what we do for wildlife in texas we well, see that. animals
1: can live without us that's for sure we know that, that. is that, that's true but <laughs> i just believe like when it comes to you know it's not all or nothing, and it it really is about these daily things, so, you know that's what on the shows like I remember doing shows where you know it was like, if you all don't stop eating meat right now, we're all gonna die, and you're killing this if you do, you can't be like that we're, no this is not how it it doesn't work it but I think just individual little acts yeah. go a long way, and when people go to to something and experience like what you're doing with the wildlife rescue and just even t- you know telling our audience that This is what happens. This is what, you know, um, it changes the outlook. When people go to something where they really see, oh, this is what a a hook looks like inside a turtle that you go, oh, my gosh, this is so beautiful, right? Right, right. And then you see what happens, it becomes part of their narrative and storytelling and then going, oh, I'm going to really be careful. So I, I think I think this is this is awesome and exciting. Definitely want to go. Before you go, you said fundraising. You're really smart. You knew it was coming to the end of the interview, and you know I <laughs> have to bring up fundraising. Sure. So um, so yeah, tell us how how can our audience help uh, at the aquarium and then the and the rescue center.
2: Sure. So I'd say first and foremost, uh, if you're not if you're not uh, in Texas or visiting Corpus Christi, you go to TexasStateAquarium.org and really tell the message of wildlife and wildlife resiliency in Texas. I think that's first and foremost what what we want to convey. There is an opportunity to donate on the website to the Wildlife Rescue Center. Um, And I think one of the really great things we're a nonprofit, so we're not a state run aquarium. It's just part of our name. And when people visit the Texas State Aquarium, they know that their dollars are staying here in Texas to save Texas endangered species. And so uh, you can donate to the program or I would say come to Texas and come to the aquarium, have a great time. Enjoy the sun, the, the Padre Island, the National Park, everything that South Texas has to offer. But when you visit the aquarium, know that your funds are staying here to help save endangered species.
1: Awesome. Wonderful. Well, I want to get uh, the website out to everyone again. It is Texas State Aquarium.org. We're here with Margo every fourth Friday. So keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. And for Margo, go to Carrera Fine Art Gallery.com. I got it, Margo. You did. I got it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. Hey, you know, we've been sick a little bit this past week, so I get a little fuzzy here and there, but I think that could just be, you know, yeah, we're, we need your 90, your 90 degree (laughs) weather, you know, but thank you so much for joining us. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you for
2: telling this story. We appreciate
0: it. Oh, we appreciate you. Thank you.